Welcome to Bay of Hortcast with your field representatives from right around Australia. In this Hortcast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to growing healthy horticultural crops. We are passionate about the future of horticulture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer Hortcast. Welcome to Bayer Hortcast. This is episode three, and this is a very special episode where we're going to talk about integrated pest management in vegetable crops. Now, integrated pest management, as a lot of you listeners would know, is really, really important for crops as it brings together the best possible tools available in all facets of growing that crop, including the targeted and well-considered use of pesticides, but importantly, really importantly, working alongside the beneficial insects to overcome those pest problems, like diamondback moth, for example, in brassica crops. And on this episode, uh, to join me today are going to be some really great guests. My name's Craig White, I'm Market Development Agronomist at Bayer, and in the episode we'll have Jessica Page from IPM Technologies and the Biological Research Company, as well as a little bit later we'll be joined by Dr Paul Horn from IPM Technologies and Carmen Brown, one of our Bayer Territory Business Managers, who's based up in Queensland. She'll be talking about some practical on-ground application of IPM up there as well. But first, Jessica Page, it's really great to have you on. How are you today? Oh, not too bad. Thanks, Craig. How are you? Yeah, going really well, thanks. It's pretty cold over here where I am today, so I'd oh, okay. imagine the insect activity would be quite low down here in the southwest of Western Australia, but uh, you're over in the east side of the, the uh, country and obviously working for IPM Technologies, who a lot of listeners I know will definitely know about the great work that you've got on, but we've also got the biological research company that you've now um, started up. And yeah, perhaps we could start there. You could just give us a little bit of a background about IPM Technologies, uh, your involvement, but also importantly now what the biological research company is uh, all about. Sure. So um, yeah, most people who know IPM Technologies would know Paul and and myself perhaps, and we've been working together for 23 years, I think, Excellent. with IPM Technologies. Um, so the, over that time, we've done a, worked in a whole range of crops and worked with a lot of different growers, but the focus has predominantly been more and more on extension, on IPM extension activities. So then... More recently, actually it was about a year ago now, we decided to start up a new company, which is the Biological Research Company. And the main reason for doing that is to make a distinction between the extension work that IPM Technologies does and some of the research work that we've done um, as part of IPM Technologies, but we wanted to focus on that a bit further. And in particular, in testing pesticides on beneficial species. Yeah, really important because as those new yeah. pesticides come along or even some of the older ones, it's really important to know, you know, how do they interact in the crop um, against the beneficials but also the pests you're targeting and, yeah, yeah, perhaps we'll touch on that a bit more later on but did you have any yeah. sort of, you know, sort of major you know, insights or key take-homes that were important for listeners just up front on that? Um, I guess the main thing was that there's, I think there's been a shift in the way of approaching pesticide use in IPM, 
So what we came to realise with all the extension work that we do, that often the stumbling block for growers adopting IPM or using IPM is understanding the role of pesticides. And it is really confusing once you go, when there's these products that are selective and, and really quite good products, but they're not all equal in terms of the effects they have on beneficials. And so it can be very confusing. Yeah. So that's what we aim to try and clarify that and hopefully that will help adoption of IPM. Yeah, really important. Make it, make it easier. Really important, Jessica. That's great to yeah. uh, get that insight because you're right. I mean, the, the lot of information about the pesticides themselves, but in the case of, yep. you know, where do the beneficials fit in? They, we know they are very important. I mean, during the development of these products, that's a key consideration these days and uh, really important that now through your work and Paul's work um, is a great resource and, and knowledge base that's built up there to help growers uh, adopt it in the best way. So perhaps if we could touch on that, I know you were a project leader for um, a project uh, between Sardi, Queensland, DPI. Yeah, do you just want to tell us a little bit about that project and perhaps some of the outcomes or resources that might be coming from that? Yeah, sure. So that was a, a three-year project that finished uh, in August this year. Um, and it was set up. So the pro aim of the project was fun it was funded by the vegetable industry, mm-hmm. uh, and it was to test IPM compatible products on beneficial species of importance in the key vegetable crops. So to do that, so there was there was two parts of it. So that there is a lot of existing information already. Um, so it was using combining that and then looking for gaps in that knowledge and then filling those gaps. And so the way we filled those gaps was to do testing. So bioassays on the acute, mainly the acute toxicity effects of pesticides on beneficial species. Excellent. And so some of the materials or you know resources that are going to come out of that project, how will growers so, and advisors get that information from this project that's sort of wrapping up now? So all of that information that we that we developed over the three years has been presented as a series of guides. So there there are seven guides available for each crop type. So there's one for cucurbits and fruiting veg, um, brassicas, leafy veg, legumes, stalk and stem, root and tuber, sweet corn. Um, and so the reason we did it that way is we wanted them to be really user-friendly. And so there's, we didn't want to put in information that wasn't necessary for those growers that are looking for the information for those crops. So for each – the guides for each crop uh, will list all the products that are re- registered um, in those crops with, that have a current registration or permit. And we've focused mainly on products that claim or have some fit in an IPM program, meaning that they they have some selectivity towards beneficials. So these integrated pest management guides for the various crops that you mentioned there, Jessica, where will they be available for growers and listeners and interested people to get hold of? They'll be available, or they are currently available through the Ausveg website. Oh, terrific. Well, I'll put a, a link to those in the podcast notes. That'll be really great. Similar information will also be available through our biological research company website. 
Excellent. And I'll also put a link to the biological research company in the show notes as well. So that'll be really good and uh, useful resources. So, I mean, really good information, fantastic amount of work I imagine has gone on with all the collaborators and and parties there, Jessica. So really well done to everyone to provide these. I think that's fantastic. And it is great that, you know, to see we can have pesticides as well as beneficial insects working together. And that'll be the focus of a little bit more in the podcast later on. And it is really excellent. But, um, yeah, did you have any final take-home messages for uh, anything there that you wanted to comment on? Oh, I think I would encourage people to have a look at the, look at the guides um, and, and we welcome any feedback as well. Yeah. No, that'll be good. So feedback um, definitely and you can get in touch with you, I'm sure, Jessica, very easily through IPM Technologies or the Biological yep. Research Company. I've had a look at the website for the Biological Research Company and that looks really simple and easy to uh, navigate the way around. And I think um, you also said to me before we came on air to, to record the podcast that you um, that's going to be a continually evolving area, the new, the new website and the resources available. Can you just tell us perhaps a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So the website's only just just up and running, so it's still in development stage. But so what we're hoping it will become is a very interactive website. So really, the focus is on providing information on beneficial insects. So there will be an ID guide, also the effects of pesticides on on those beneficials. So there will be updated uh, charts available. Um, and there's also another section on other research that we'll be doing. Oh, really good. No, fantastic. Mm. I think that along with you know company information, resources available, it provides a really good whole package to get on top of these pesty insects that we don't want there, but keep the ones <laughs> that we do. So, Jessica, thanks very much for being on Bayer Hawkcast today and you know understanding how we can have the pesticides working along with the beneficials to really get rid of those pesty you know, insects that we don't want in our crops, but keep the ones that we do to make it all work. And at the end of the day, it's all about growing you know, good, healthy, nutritious food for everyone. And I um, really thank you so much for coming on today, telling us a bit about what work you've done, those guides that are available, and also about the biological research company, which I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about. And I'm going to now go over and have a chat to your colleague, Dr. Paul Horn, about some other topics. But Jessica, thanks very much. Thanks. Thank you, Craig. It was really good to catch up with Jessica Page and touch on the project she's been doing, also the new biological research company that she's uh, working with there and some of the fantastic tools that are available. I'm really pleased now to be joined by Dr Paul Horn from IPM Technologies. How are you today, Paul? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's really good, good to have you on here. Thanks for uh, for joining us on Bayer Hawkcast, Paul. Um, you know, your reputation precedes you, no doubt. A lot of people would know you, but perhaps, you know, a few people might not know all the details. So, yeah, what, what is your company all about and you know, how long have you been running that and how did you get interested in integrated pest management in the first place? Okay, so I, I guess I started working on pest management when I was employed as an entomologist with the Victorian State Department of Agriculture many years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I started work on was trying to find alternatives to the organochlorines, which back in the 80s oh, yeah. were still registered. So yep. things like DDT, Dildrin, Lindane, Heptachlor were all there. And then I'd only just started the job and then there were chemical residues found in export beef to the US and Japan. 
and uh, the organic chlorines, instead of having a phased withdrawal, were uh, taken off the books overnight. Mm -hmm. So um, that meant there were farmers that had been using those products, and some um, are all registered users, but they they couldn't keep doing the same thing, and so I had to find some pretty quick alternatives for um, for them to use. And so instead of looking at just standalone chemicals, started to look at integrated pest management, in particular for potato growers at that stage. Wow, and good. Yeah, so I I worked on developing IPM and came to the realization that. This was about 20, 24 years ago, um, that I would probably be better able to do the extension component, not just the research, uh, by creating my own company instead of working from within the government agency. So, uh, so we started IPM Technologies, and um, uh, Jesse and I have worked together all that time. Yes, you mentioned that and that great length of time, and and now with the emerging uh, biological research company, which Jessica's given some really good information about, I think that's just fantastic. I mean, IPM, you know, people often think perhaps sometimes what does it mean, but I liken it to having all those different types of tools available and complementing each other. You know, if a, a builder's got a tool bag, and imagine if you took his hammer away, just as you said, when the OPs were phased out, or not even phased out, just disappeared overnight, how on earth do you go about the job? And you have to find new ways. So a builder without a hammer is what you've uh, been able to sort of do in insects, I guess, is some of those things disappeared, new ones showed up, but importantly, the role of beneficial insects. Uh, so perhaps we're going to really turn our attention to that and how the chemistry today that's available, Paul, is um, working to keep on top of those pesty insects that we don't want there. Yeah, so uh, integrated pest management just means integrating the available tools. And to us, there's only three. There's biological controls, which are the insects and mites that eat the pest. There's cultural controls or management, which is anything the farmer can do to manage the crop to favour beneficials and discourage pests. And there's chemical controls. So obviously integrating chemical control with biological control, uh, we would like to use selective chemistry that will kill the pest and not kill the beneficials. So there, you know, there's more and more of those products available now than uh, back when I started work, when organochlorines and organophosphates and synthetic pyrethroids were the mainstay of control. Now there's uh, far more uh, tools in that chemical uh, options to, to integrate biological and chemical controls. So, uh, you know, some of the newer products so in the Bayer range you know belt Movento fall into that that category it's really important that I think um, you know over the all those years you, you were saying you're certainly looking at new alternatives and um, you know new techniques um, finding out you know how things work together integrate together and um, as you mentioned there are a couple of very selective and and targeted insecticides that are, are really important. And later on, we're going to talk to Carmen Brown, one of our territory managers up in 
the Queensland area and just how we can integrate some of the chemistry with the beneficials. So in that case, the diadegma wasp, um, you might be able to just give us a little bit of a handle on what that's, how that was, because I know you were up that way and you did some, uh, you and Jessica did some workshops or some presentations about that specific issue in brassica crops recently, Paul. Yeah, I, we've too often, unfortunately, we, people contact us, you know, our tiny little companies, um, when there's a crisis. And so yeah. the, the crisis might be when pesticides are withdrawn or when resistance develops. And so there's now resistance developed um, in diamondback moth, uh, which is a major pest of brassicas, in Queensland in particular. But there's um, <clears throat> measurable signs of resistance, not not that it, the crop the products are failing, but uh, there's measurable resistance. There's not 100% control uh, pretty well everywhere where diamondback back moth has been uh, sampled in Australia. So, so what? It's just around Gatton um, situations particularly uh, advanced, and so growers are looking for that alternative. And so, we believe that if instead of relying on more and more chemistry, um, Jessica and I wanted to add in an additional biological control option. And so we collected and reared diadegma wasps, which are a parasite of, um, of Plutella diamondback moth. So the wasp stings the young caterpillars and then a maggot develops inside it and instead of a moth coming out, a wasp comes out. Wow. So, so the unfortunate part is the, the wasps are, are about the size of a mosquito and they're very difficult to see. Mm-hmm. And they live for most of their life inside a caterpillar, which looks apparently healthy. So for a grower to rely on these, things that they can't see, uh, is very difficult. So what we have done is we encouraged a, a commercial producer of insects to take the diadegma and make them commercially available, which means that instead of relying on them occurring naturally, which they do pretty well everywhere in Australia where diamondback moth occurs, they do occur naturally, but there's a lag between the arrival of the pest and the arrival of the beneficial insect. So by being able to buy them and release them into a crop before they would otherwise be there um, gives the growers an extra tool uh, in the biological control of uh, this you know, really serious pest, which is resistant to a lot of chemicals. So really, really interesting there then that if you're going to buy those insects that are are there for a reason, one of the, I suppose, a soldier for another word, to, to get in there and really get into the pest that we don't want, then we certainly don't want them be coming through with a insecticide that um, is going to then take out what you've just put there. So that's the whole idea of the integrated pest management, isn't it? It is, it is. I, I know when we did the initial trials, <clears throat> the grower who uh, let us use his farm to, you know, it was a commercial crop, it was his, um, it wasn't a... a a trial on a research farm, <clears throat> we put the wasps out. We did that in conjunction with the biocontrol producer uh, and two chemical companies, um, Bayer and 
uh, Sumitomo, who had a range of select, selective pesticides that we could use. And the grower said he felt much more comfortable knowing those wasps were there because if the weather was bad and he couldn't get in and spray, he knew that they were still out there doing the job for him. Terrific story there. How, how long do these um, didegma, what is the sort of life cycle of it, the cycle before they are effective and um, re-emerge yeah. and those sorts of things, Paul? Yeah, so <clears throat> their life cycle is tied exactly to the diamondback moth. Wow. So <clears throat> if the weather's hot and the moth, you know, grows faster, so does the wasp. And if it's cold and they grow slower, so does the wasp. So it sting, the, the female wasp stings very young diamondback moth. And then if the weather's, you know, about, uh, you know, 25 degrees, the, the caterpillar would normally take about three weeks to, to go through to adult stage. And it still does, but with the wasp inside it, a wasp emerges after those three weeks instead of a, um, a moth. So the, the life cycle is exactly the same. So the caterpillar still eats and still causes damage with the wasp maggot inside it. But instead of controlling those individuals, when they will die in, in, the, you know, in the end, we're looking at controlling the population. So in things like uh, broccoli, cauliflowers, if we release the wasps early, there's probably three to four generations of the, the wasp or the moth in the time that it takes to grow the crop. And so the damage to the outer leaves can be tolerated if we get control before the, the head is produced, what is being harvested. Terrific. Sounds really good. And I know there's uh, at Bayer we're producing um, uh, certainly a, a guide or presentation that will sort of bring a lot of this together. And I'm just noticing, you know, it has that diamondback and moth or patella management options being sort of some different groups, but in combination with the diadegmas. And I'll talk to Carmen Brown about how that's been successful up in some areas. But I know IPM, IPM Technologies and also the biological research company, um, the guides and things there are going to give really good information about when you should use certain uh, pesticides and when you release the diadegma and things like that. So what is the best way for people to find information um, from your work that you've done and also presentations and other things like that? So growers are always welcome to uh, contact us directly or more commonly we, we work with the reseller advisors and teach them how to... Um, recognise the different life stages of the different uh, species and what chemicals can be used. So information on the side effects of pesticides on diadegma can be found uh, both on the website of the Biological Research Company and on the Ausveg website. Of course, yeah, the good Ausveg, which is also where those... Uh, crop guides are available, um, IPM guides. So that was really good as we were talking to with Jessica. Um, so really in summary then, using all the tools available, so in the case of uh, patella or this diamondback moth, we're looking at, say, things Bayer has available like Mavento belt examples of, of tools that we can do there, the importance of then how the diadegma fits into that. Can you sort of perhaps elaborate a little bit more on, you know, how would you use 
you know, what's the timings? But what would sort of be the order? Would it be waiting for the pests to appear before you put the, uh, release the diadegma? Do you do it the same day as an insecticide or do you wait or how does that all sort of go about? So we would um, rely on monitoring to tell us what yep. activity there is of both pests and beneficials. But in if I would make a rough guide, you, you can assume that diamondback moth is going to find the brassica crop in the warmer months of the year. You know, it, it will occur. So let's say a plant is transplanted uh, in week one. We would expect moths to have found it and laid eggs on it by week two, which means they'll be hatching out as small caterpillars in week three. So we'd probably suggest growers release the diadegma in about week three and then again a couple of weeks after that. If the control is uh, with, or the, sorry, if the first insecticide used, probably things like uh, one of the many different BT products. Mm-hmm. Um, if aphids are present as well, then that would be the time to use Mavento. But Mavento is only active on the the very small caterpillars, not not the larger ones. So the timing of that is very critical. So we'd make that call, you know, based on monitoring. What what is there? Is there aphids or is there not? Um, we'd try and save the the group twenty eights for when buttons sized, you know, cauliflowers or broccoli appear, um, and use that. We think they're the you know the the best weapon at that stage and then possibly a follow-up uh, spray with another BT might be needed for, for things like cabbage white. And I think it's it's important to recognise that IPM is for brassica crops. It's not for a single pest like mm-hmm. diamondback moth. And so every insecticide that's used, every input needs to be considered for the effect on beneficials. So if, say, there's a flight of heliothus or lupus, um, the sprays for those, or if there's Rutherglen bugs active, what impact is an insecticide going to have, uh, not just on the target pest, but on the beneficials that are tr- controlling other species, such as Platella? Wow, that sounds really good. You set a rough guide, but that to me is you know, very comprehensive, Paul, as you always are. And um, with further information from the websites and resources available, I'm sure growers listening to this and advisors can really fine tune. And I mean, that's the ongoing work, isn't it, that you, you're constantly doing. So um, to me, that sounded excellent. And um, yeah, we really thank you for giving some fantastic insights. Now, was there anything else in that that you wanted to sort of uh, touch on any other general comments or thoughts you would like to to give to listeners of the Bayer Hawkcast here right now? Um, I think that, you know with those crop guides, the crop specific guides. Um, it, it might seem strange, but products can be uh, quite safe for one crop, but highly disruptive in another. So it's, we're not saying a product is good or bad. Um, we're just saying. If you consider this set of beneficial species, then this is where the product sits. So Mavento is a very good example of that, that in vegetable crops, the beneficials that are there are not impacted by by Mavento. 
but Mavento does kill predatory mites. And so if you're in a glasshouse or growing strawberries where predatory mites are the main controller for the key pests, then it's it's very different. So, um, so it's not that Mavento is good or bad. It's just that considering the spectrum of beneficial species that you want to look after, the decision, uh, the the rating could be quite different in different crops. Yeah. So there's no absolute safe or not safe. Yeah. So I mean, again, great advice. Um, you know, likening that to you know, know know your crop. You must know the crop and what's in it. Um, so monitoring really important, and then reaching for the right tools and combinations of tools to get the job done properly. Exactly. Um, so, Paul, thanks very much for joining us on Bayer Hortcast. It's uh, really great to have you on here and, and give some of your wisdom and really do appreciate what um, integrated pest management is all about and IPM Technologies, the biological research company, all the work that you're doing independently for the industry and growing great food and, and all those types of things. So thank you so much. I'm now going to go over and have a chat with Carmen Brown up in Queensland and we're going to talk about some very specific uh, uses of some of the integrated pest management techniques and you know how Bayer products are fitted in that, but importantly, um, that great diadegma wasp that you talked about. So, Paul, thanks very much. Thank you, Craig. Thanks for having me on. Well, that was really great catching up with Dr. Paul Horn from IPM Technologies. It was excellent to, to cover that whole range of, of discussion about what integrated pest management is and, you know, how it came about, how Paul got involved with it and why the, the need for it was there. And I'm really pleased now to be joined by Carmen Brown, one of our Territory Business Managers based up in Queensland. How are you today, Carmen? Yeah, well, thanks, Whitey. Yeah, good. Now, where are you, Carmen? Just give listeners a, an insight into where you're based and the area that you range and a few of the crops that you work in. Yeah, sure. So I'm based in Toowoomba in southeast Queensland, and I look after an area covering the Granite Belt, so down to Stansorp, um, the Lockyer Valley, and down in the Northern Rivers area, which is down to sort of Coffs Harbour is where I cover. And Within those um, areas, there's a large um, range of crops, whether it's sugarcane, macadamias, vegetables, um, tomatoes, capsicums and apples. So, yeah, I've got a large range of crops and I really enjoy being a part of that. Oh, it's terrific, Carmen. It's uh, fantastic. We know how important all of those crops are, um, you know, all the time and the great food that's being produced. So really important part of it to have you up there and helping growers and advisors uh, get the best out of the Bayer products and others. And um, I talked with Dr Paul Horn um, specifically about diamondback moth um, in brassica crops and we talked about the program approach where we can use you know well-targeted insecticides along with the diadegma wasp but i know you've had first-hand experience of this um, up in the lockyer valley can you just give listeners and there's a great story on our website which i'm sure you'll talk about as well um, just how that's come about and what you've seen with your uh, with your own eyes and your own feet on the ground yeah so um I'm sure you probably covered that. Over the last couple of years, we've seen some um, issues arising with some resistance to some of the groups of chemistry traditionally used in, in brassicas. 
And this year, um, Bea brought along Paul Horn and Jessica Page into the valley to talk to agronomists and, and key growers in the area about really how to implement diadegma into their broccoli programs in particular in conjunction with soft chemistry like Mavento and BTs. Um, so we brought them in in January and then we will be able to implement a pilot program with Windoff Farms in a commercial block of broccoli where um, we released two releases of Diadegma Wasp in conjunction with soft chemistries like BTs and Mavento and took that through to harvest. And there's a really nice story on our webpage with a link to Windoff Farms um, just really detailing the benefits and, and how that worked in their program. Yeah, it sounds great. I mean, um, we'll put a link to that story uh, directly in the podcast notes. But as you said, I'm sure a search even on YouTube would find that that article as well. So, you know, what were some of the things that had to be adjusted? Was it a, was it really difficult to do this, or was it quite simple and straightforward to do it, Carmen? Like, well, I guess having the advice from Paul and Jessica in January really concreted what groups of chemistry we could use when within the crop and really just looking at um, the soft chemistry options. So, you know, coming in early with the use of BTs and the Mavento was a really nice um, was a really nice fit and releasing the Diadegma Wasp, um, just knowing what we can use around those releases. And, and I think it was a really easy adoption. Um, Paul will talk about it in his clip, but it was a quite an easy adoption in that crop. And I noticed in the story there, Carmen, with Paul Windoff, that he actually planted some, you know, some flowers um, around the the area just to sort of help those beneficial insects. What was that all about? The idea of planting the Elysium flowers is really to give the diadegma a nectar source. Um, so you'll see um, now in the valley lots of little flower boxes or rows of Elysiums being planted within brassica crops. It's a terrific approach, really, isn't it? And I know when I grew up, um, certainly in the Clare Valley um, with grapevines, we always used to have a lot, lot of rose bushes and things around at the end of the vines and lots of clovers and things like that. So really important, um, this integrated pest management that we do bring all those things together. So well-targeted chemistry that works against the pests, but also with the beneficials and then these cultural sort of methods that you just talked about there. Now, Carmen, what, um, what from here? Are there more growers getting involved with the program or what's going to go on in the future with this? Um, there's another pilot program that we're running currently um, with a number of other growers, really just having a look at how to release this diadegma into, into a soft chemistry program. And hopefully we'll get some good news stories that we'll be able to tell for, for next season. Uh, that's really great. We're learning as we go. But uh, as Paul Horn said, you know, crop-specific uh, sort of programs as opposed to pest-specific. So that's what it's all about. And I'm sure these pilots will unravel even more practical application of uh, integrated pest management. So, Carmen, thanks very much for giving listeners a little insight on what's really going on on the ground. And I'm sure in future podcasts we'll be able to bring in some more information about how the pilot programs have gone and what holds for the future. Thanks very much. Thanks, Whitey. Thanks for listening to this Bayer Hortcast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone 1-800-804-479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening.